A reading from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labour of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's fields, God's building. Hear the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words that flow from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the astute among you may be wondering what was in the Gospel reading that we didn't have this morning. Well, it was just a little passage about murder, adultery and divorce. Before you jump to conclusions that I'm trying to avoid the hard topics and the difficult passages, I have actually preached on that passage um, twice uh, before at this church. And the more I reflected on uh, the reading that Dale read for us this morning, the more I realised that the reading from 1 Corinthians was the much harder passage. I've also never had a chance to preach on this passage, so I was keen to see how this can help us to pay attention with intention. Pointing to another's immaturity actually reveals often your own immaturity. So I think Paul is on dangerous ground pointing out the immaturity of the Christian church. But in the Corinthian letters, immaturity is one of the lesser claims that Paul makes against this dysfunctional church. Each time I look at one or two Corinthians, rather than putting it aside as just an example of how the early church dealt with dysfunction, I find it scarily reflective of what I see in contemporary church life and particularly relevant to how we are called to be and behave in the world in which we live today. And this passage is no exception. I'm going to look at this passage from two different angles this morning. Firstly, 
to identify the commonality of the central issue that Paul names, both then and now. And then I want to look at how Paul cleverly reveals an alternate way of being. Church division is a recurring theme in both 1 and 2 Corinthians. The initial report of quarrels sent from Chloe's house church tells that believers were splitting into factions along the lines of their favourite leaders or preachers. Paul now circles back to deal specifically with this issue. Division amongst and within churches is still a very present issue. Widening and polarising division within our culture is actually one of the distinctives of our world today. I used to say that unlike other denominations and independent churches, there were very few church splits in the Anglican Church. But we are currently in a season of significant tension within our own denomination. And so I'm sadly reminded that when the Anglican Church splits, it splits big. We wouldn't exist as a denomination if we hadn't split from the Catholic Church during the Reformation. And the establishment of Methodism by the Wesleys and Co. are just a couple of small examples. Denominational differences are perhaps the most obvious divisions in today's church. I have a favourite analogy that I use regularly, and you may have heard me say this once or twice. Churches are like ice cream. Some like chocolate, some like vanilla, and some like to change or mix and match their flavours. But as a substance, it's still ice cream. We get ourselves into trouble when we start creating a hierarchy of flavours. Or worse, suggest that salted caramel ice cream isn't really ice cream at all. I'll never forget uh, when I was in Newcastle, the bishop asked me to meet a guy who they were considering for ordination and were looking to appoint to a church. They thought our church might be a good match and I might be able to supervise him. We sat down for a coffee and a chat. And I don't remember how it got to this point in the conversation, but all of a sudden he dropped this clangor. Catholics aren't really Christians. I remember taking a breath and calmly replying, oh, I'm married to a Catholic. His quick backpedaling was a sight to behold, but the damage was done. And no, he didn't come and work with me. Interdenominational divisions, quarrelling and jealousy may be the most obvious, but I believe divisions, quarrelling and jealousy within denominations and especially within local churches are the most damaging. It might not surprise you to hear me say that sadly I see it all too frequently within the Anglican Church. 
But would it surprise you to hear me say that sadly, I see it all too frequently in our church, this church. I did say that I thought that this was a much more challenging reading than preaching about murder, adultery and divorce. This impacts all of us all of the time. They are not just situation, situational or occasional issues. We have so many ways in our world to put ourselves into groups. Just pause for a while and consider how you group yourself. For me, I'm an Australian. I'm an Anglo-Australian. I'm a New South Welshman. I'm a priest. I'm an accountant. I'm tertiary educated. I'm married. I'm a parent. I vote for a political party. <laughs> you thought you might get me there, didn't you? <laughs> I'm a sports fan. There are particular teams that I support. The Australian cricket team, I'm not so sure. I'm a musician. I like particular types of music. I eat meat. I don't like some foods and I've got a strong belief that tomatoes are from the devil. <laughs> I could go on and on and on. It's not unusual or unnatural to group together for like to attract like. But when we start to modify our beliefs and ideologies to suit whatever group is most critical for us to belong to, that's when the polarisation we see in our world at the moment begins to emerge. When we modify our Christian faith to suit whatever group is most critical for us to belong to, that's when the division, quarrelling and jealousy within the church starts to emerge. We are a large church, according to the way that Anglicans measure church size. And we do have many groups that come together over similar interests, styles, passions, and even ways that we see or express our relationship with God. That's not unusual. It's not unnatural. It's not unhealthy. Unless... It leads to us, it leads us to believe that those who don't share our preferences, experiences or passions are wrong or in some ways less than. Our responsibility is to join our work with the work of others, which is ultimately how God works in humanity. And that's what Paul is saying throughout verses 7 through 9. It will sometimes be people just like us. But it will be mostly people who are not like us. Belonging to Christ means belonging and working together. And we do not do this as one person, one church, 
one denomination, one ethnicity, one worship style, and so on. Despite what the world seems to be telling us right at this moment, what separates us does not need to divide us. I said I'd look at this passage from two angles, so here's the second. From Scripture, we don't know a whole lot about Apollos. He gets a mention in this letter, the book of Acts and the letter to Titus. It's clear that Apollos knows how to speak in public in a way that could garner attention and sway opinion for people at that time. He also is said to speak knowledgeably of Jesus. But it seems that what we hear of him in Acts, he didn't really have the Holy Spirit thing worked out. And so he's mentored by Priscilla and Aquila, Paul's best friends, who likely brought him in the first instance to Corinth where they lived. This would have been where the people of Corinth first experienced both his giftedness of speech matched with the excited, naive exuberance of discovering the power of the Holy Spirit. No wonder he was popular to be around. The world at that time would have seen Paul and Apollos as competitors. In one corner, the young gifted orator who just got it and can't keep his mouth shut. In the other, the wily old campaigner who's taken his share of beatings and has planted more churches than you've had hot dinners. But in, instead of a smackdown, we find something very, very different. We find, rather than Paul versus Apollos, a different way and a pattern of how to approach differences within the church. And if we look at how Paul delivers this message to the people of Corinth, it's clear that we form a relationship and we speak well of each other, not just in spite of our differences, but because of the difference. And we also speak well of the difference. And when all of that happens, God is glorified. It doesn't matter who's in what corner or who's in Corinth at that moment. What matters is God is glorified. Paul gets that. Apollos gets that. If only the Corinthian church could get it. If only we could get it. The world we live in is very similar to this Corinthian world. We're always looking for the next life hack to, that's gone viral to make our lives easier. We're looking for someone to come up with a way of making things better. And we're constantly being told that we're not enough and we're not okay. 
And so we have to maximise and tribalise ourselves to survive in the life which seems to have turned into a competitive market. But Paul says, no, that is not God's way. Our differences do not put us in competition. They are there to celebrate, to get to know, to talk well of, to form relationship with. It's not the 7.30 service versus the 9.30 service. It's not op shops versus community connect. It's not the youth group versus the craft group. It's not our church versus the one around the corner. If quarrelling and jealousy are a sign of immaturity, then I think when we form relationship, we speak well of each other and we speak well of our differences, that is a sign of real maturity. I pray, come Holy Spirit and mature your church in Jesus' name. Amen.